and welcome to Marketing Management and Money with Ethan Migliori and Ryan Murray. So uh, I'm going to take us somewhere that I get a lot of requests. In fact, where this came from is I was just doing a, uh, a, a video training um, on one of the programs that we have, the Five Disciplines of Marketing. And as I was going through this training, now, I mean, this is, this is our advanced content that uh, really goes in depth. But I realized how often I get the request of how to do just a marketing strategy, you know, how to put together a marketing strategy. And so what I would like to do is I would like to, in this podcast episode, just delve into that. We're, we're going to explain, you know, how to put together your marketing strategy, some of the things that you need to be looking at. Uh, and so this is this is going to be what I like to call the paint by numbers. Like we, you know, most of the time we kind of get into some discussion, uh, you know, different opinions, things like that. This is going to be more of, hey, if you want to know how I would set up a marketing strategy, this is how I would set up a marketing strategy. So before we jump into that, Ethan, Yes. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, I want to just get, you know, kind of, kind of, you're, you're going to be our fact checked here, okay. right? You, you know, when, uh, when they're doing the political debates and, and, and they're fact checking someone like this is, this is how I set up my marketing strategy. doesn't mean that this is the only way to do it. doesn't mean that this is the best way to do it. This is just how I've done it how I find success with it. Okay. So are you good to kind of, Oh yeah, we have a term for that, but I don't know if I can use it on your show. So <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, the first thing that, uh, that I'm going to say is anytime that you are dealing with a marketing strategy, you got to start with the customers. Hands down, you have to start with the customers. It sounds super simple. I don't get why we don't do it, why businesses screw this up all the time. And 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 by the way, I, I'm going to point out that anytime that I'm doing a marketing strategy, I'm always going to start by cleaning up before I ever start to grow. And, uh, you know, I've worked with, at this point, thousands of businesses. I cannot tell you a single example of a business that has not had substantial cleanup that has need, been needed every time that that I've jumped into, you know, doing doing a marketing strategy for them. You know, there's always it's it's always a mess. Sometimes it's a disaster, sometimes it's just dirty, you know. And so there's kind of been been the, the, this range of, you know, need for cleanup. And so so we're going to start uh, you know, today is going to be talking all about how to clean up that mess. Uh, and I'm going to start with with the customer, right? So, um in dealing with the customer, uh, like we just don't spend enough time talking to our customers, understanding our customers, finding out what our customers wants and needs are. And, and, and I have my method of doing this. But before I jump into that, uh, you know, I, I'd, li I'd like to hear kind of, you know, what are, what are some of the things that, that you've seen that's worked really well, uh, Ethan, to, you know, to, to get in front of the customer, to understand the customer. And then I'm going to share, you know, kind of how I do it. So let's start first with uh, fact checked on the customer. <laughs> that is correct. So that is a fact. Whew. 
And you know, we're, we're, we're four minutes into the episode. I would have been super nervous if I already was giving bad information. No, perfect. That's dead on. And matter of fact, most people should be asking the two questions when they start cleaning up. The first one is how is this better going to serve my customer? When I implement this marketing strategy, that's the question. How is this better going to serve my customer? And the second one is, um, is it going to create clarity for my potential customers? Yeah. So, so I, th I think you have to be, uh, customer centric, uh, in everything that you do starting with it. So fact check, correct. Perfect. Thank you. So when, when I'm, when I'm working with a business and I'm saying, Hey, do you understand your customers? I've never had a business tell me that there's like, no, I have no idea. I've had businesses that are like, well, we don't understand them as well as we'd like to, or we're still trying to figure it out. You know, I always get kind of these optimistic responses, but the truth of the matter is, is people don't know their customers. And, uh, you know, the only way you're going to get to know your customer is to spend time with your customer and to spend the right time with your customer. You know, it, it's kind of like these people that uh, they all of a sudden, you know, their kid goes off to college and they're sitting there and there's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I didn't really get to know my kid. I wasted all of those years. And I'm like, the same thing is happening with your customer. Are you wasting all these years? Uh, and just because you've been in business for a long time doesn't mean that you understand your customer better. You know, people have customers that are coming in all the time that they're selling to, and they just, they don't know why they're buying. They don't know what they do with the product, you know? So, so, so the first thing that, uh, that I'm going to say is, is when you're, uh, you know, when you're looking at customers, it takes time. So, you know, step number one for any marketing strategy is to look at how much time you are devoting to understanding the customer. And if that's not significant amounts of time, then a lot of the stuff we're going to talk out moving or talk about moving forward is going to become obsolete because it doesn't do you any good to start putting stuff in place when you're just not taking the time to understand that customer. And, and let me add this point to help uh, the listeners understand why this is so critical. Marketing is more of a science to me. Okay. Meaning that it's, Which I agree, by the way, it's always changing and developing. Mm -hmm. And why does it change and develop? Because our clients are changing and developing. Mm -hmm. So if you treat it as a science, knowing that it's still maturing, it's still growing, it's still developing, you'll understand why we look at marketing strategies consistently as we're trying to make the right adjustments so that we can uh, maintain the sales or the sales growth that we want. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so... I'm spending the time talking to my customer. Now, what am I talking to my customer about? Well, the first thing that I'm going to do is uh, I'm, I'm going to try and understand wants and needs. Okay, what does the customer want? What does the customer need? And how important is that to the customer? So, so that that's the the primary question that uh, you know that I'm working on constantly is you know wants and needs and looking at you know where I can you know where I can get better insight and better information. But there's there's a fundamental flaw that comes into most marketing strategies when they start trying to understand their customer, and that is they can't get past their own bias. They have a preconceived, uh, they're, they're, they're looking, and you know we just talked about this in a previous episode where you're like, okay, do you want my opinion or do you want my validation when you're asking me a question? You know, and you brought up a beautiful case for that. Um, so 
I'm going to say when you're dealing with a customer, what filter do you have in place to filter out your bias? And if you don't have a formal filtration process in place, then the bias is creeping. And the bias is creeping in regardless. It's going to be there. And so you've got to have this formal filtration process to get your bias out and just get to as pure of the customer needs as possible. You know, and that filtration process could be that you're looking at raw data, you know, that you're using, you're quantifying information. That's a great filtration process. Uh, Third-party validation, that's a great filtration process. Uh, having different, uh, different perspectives, you know, don't always send the same person in to get the customer information because their customer interaction is going to be different than someone else's customer interaction. And so if I've got two or three different people that are getting, you know, giving feedback and, and I'm getting some discrepancies there, that can be a sign of, oh, I need to filter out some bias going on. You know, you taught me uh, years ago um, as you were developing some of the marketing strategies and, and programs that you have that what a customer perceives is what affects their actions. Mm -hmm. However, the irony of that is, is that what a business owner perceives <laughs> is what affects their actions. So uh, we preach it from the one side, but it's nice to hear that you're preaching that we need to practice what we're preaching as well, mm -hmm. that we've got to get rid of those perceptions because uh, as we know, especially with social media today, what we perceive is not necessarily true, not even close in many cases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're joking around with fact-checking here. I, I can't tell you how many people. So, you know, we've got this big old pandemic going on. There's so much misinformation out there, so much misinformation. And I'll have people that, that you know, they'll tell me something. And I'm just like, well, where'd you hear that? Well, you know, on social media. I'm like, <laughs> did, did you pull in even a second source? Like, is there is there another person who's saying the same thing? Or are you really going to base everything off of this one you know, social media post. Well, it got over a thousand likes. Uh, okay, we're done. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm really glad to hear that you're you're telling business owners that the same thing that we ask them to do about their clients and understanding that their clients have perceptions to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Great counsel. Okay, so now we're looking at okay, we we've got kind of this uh, this, this customer need. Uh, we're filtering out the bias. Okay. The next thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to look at my product and service mix. What do I sell? How do I make my money? Right. So I've got this product and service mix. And in this product and service mix, the goal here is to connect the customer's needs with the solutions that you provide. And so I'm, I'm going to review everything that I sell and I'm going to start asking myself, what what is what is the solution? What is the, the problem that the customer has? And what's the actual solution that I'm providing? So let's say that I am a, uh, you know, I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a, a copy store, you know, I do uh, photocopies, right? And, and I look at that and, and, 
you know, th- th- this I think is an interesting example. Uh, this came up in, in a discussion just the other day where, uh, you know, a lot of 3D printing is starting to become popular. And, you know, this guy, you know, that I was talking to, he said, he's like, ah, I think it's a fad because pretty soon everyone's going to have a 3D printer in their own house. And, you know, commercial 3D printing is not going to make a lot of sense. And I'm just like, no, you're wrong because commercial printing still makes sense even though everyone has a desktop printer. I mean, I can print off my computer super easily, but I still will use a commercial printer because there are certain problems that I can't solve on my own with my little thing. If I, if I have to do you know, high-quality prints or high-volume prints or if I'm going to need specialty sizes. you know, And so all of a sudden, there, there are these, these problems that I'm trying to solve. And so if I'm a, if I'm a print shop... And all I'm doing is I'm just trying to, you know, do a better job of what they can already do at their home. That's a pretty weak solution to a problem. But if I print something that they can't even touch, and if you look at all your big commercial printers, that's what they're doing. Like they, they're not interested. If you go to a, a commercial printer that's actually successful, they are not interested in running, you know, 100 photocopies off for you. Like they want to do specialty printing. They want to print door hangers and donut boxes and, you know, commercial packaging and and those kinds of things because I can't do that on my own. I can't run that effectively off of my home printer. And so there's actually, you know, there's a product or service that is matching a customer need. Boom, I now have a successful business, right? You know, I learned an interesting principle about what I call satisfiers and sweeteners. And I usually use it with wages when we talk about human capital, that that money is a satisfier. So at some point in time, no matter how much money we give an employee, they can't produce more. Mm-hmm. They won't produce more. Okay. But, um, so a wage, such an interesting <laughs> thought. <laughs> so it's a sat, so money is a satisfier, right? However, we can get employees to do extra things by sweeteners you know, the little bonuses that provide. Perks. Yes. Well, what's interesting is that same principle applies in this concept you're talking about right now when you talk about product or service. Every product has parts of it that are satisfiers, and sometimes we find products that have sweeteners that make the deal just a little bit better. Mm. And that's probably, we'll probably want to talk more about that on the next one when you talk about marketing plan and using it to grow. But but keep that in mind as you think about uh, your product and or your service. Am I just a satisfier? And if so, okay, well, great. There's a model I want to work around that one. But if I want to have the sweeteners tied to it, I've got to think about what I'm doing a little bit different as well. Now, okay, so this is going to be a two-part series. And this this episode is all about improving our existing marketing. And the next episode is looking for new marketing opportunities. And so you're absolutely right that there's going to be some new sweetener opportunities that we're going to get into in the, uh, the upcoming episode that we're going to do on this. But there, I, I love how you pointed this out because this leads into the very next step that I look at when I'm doing marketing strategy. And that is I'm trying to identify those products and services that are under, uh, under promoted. 
Okay. So what ends up happening is these businesses, they get so focused on what's right in front of them. You know, uh, you, you might have a, a core business and, and I'm going to give a prime example. I love using this example, General Electric, GE, the company. All right. Hundreds of billions of dollars annually. Like this is a massive company, one of the biggest companies on the globe. Right. And where do they make most of their money? Well, it's medical equipment. And then I found out that they do financial services. And, uh, and I'm just like, what, GE has a huge financial services, you know, uh, section. Uh, like when you think of it, it's like General Electric. Yeah, they didn't become a multi hundreds of billion dollar company by selling light bulbs. They had to shift. They had to move. And so if they were constantly focused on strictly, they're like, well, our name says General Electric. We have to stay with electricity. If they never pivoted into medical and said, well, you know what? I mean, medical and, you know, electricity, like they, there's a lot of, you know, compatibility here. If they never would have made that shift, they never would have seen that level of growth. What does financial services have to do with, you know, electricity? It, it, it's a very different, you know, a different business model. And so... When you're talking about these, uh, you know, the, these satisfiers and these sweeteners, and I'm looking at the product mix and I'm saying, okay, what are your products that are, they're under promoted? What are the ones that you're so busy because you think that you have to sell your core products and, and focus everything on your core products? I'm like, what are the up and comers? What are the ones that have been neglected that haven't received the attention? Because the problem is those core products, typically they're saturated. You typically are already making your money off of those core products. And it's really hard to market those in a way that you're going to see significant growth. You know, when all of the, uh, you know, like Coca-Cola and Pepsi, when, when the bottling companies started doing bottled water, that to them was the opportunity to see growth. Now, you know, they sell soda, but there's only so much soda that you can, okay, great. They've moved into every nation in the, you know, on the planet. Now what do you do? But now they're like, oh, we're going to sell, you know, water, merchandise, those kinds of things. And so, you know, when I'm looking at a marketing strategy, I'm saying, what are the products and services that you're neglecting or not giving them the, you know, the love that they need in order to grow? Because again, it goes back to the customer. What are the customer's wants and needs? Not what are the products that you sell, but what are their wants and needs? And if I can meet their need, you know, drinking bottled water became very popular. People started taking health more serious. And so they wanted to get away from all of the sugars. And so bottled water you know, was a customer need that they were able to meet. It made sense. It grew. You know, there's a, an interesting case study that was done and I, I've just kind of fell in love with it. So I don't know if you remember back when, when the, I think it was the Christmas story is the name of the movie that came out with the Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So a, a company that uh, hardware store had a mix of everything, but part of it was guns. Okay. okay? A typical rural America type of a thing. Mm -hmm. So um, about that same time, they noticed that BB gun sales were increasing, okay. okay? But they had very little shelf space for them. Does it make sense? Uh -huh. 
Well, when they compared the sales of their BB guns at that time to just normal uh, traditional hunting rifles, the BB guns were outselling them. So they made this dynamic switch by using the data that they were seeing um, and understanding products and which ones were underutilized. So they increased, they decreased the number of shelf space dedicated towards um, uh, sporting uh, guns and increased the, the space for pellet guns and BB guns. Guess what still outsells those guns today? The pellet. BB guns and pellet mm -hmm. guns. Yeah. yeah. But they noticed that by understanding uh, trends that they saw and under and recognizing that there was an underutilized asset that, that was more profitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is I, we're, we are going to talk about growth um, and, and new ideas, but there are so many opportunities of things that you're already selling that it's like do more with. Because it's easier to expand on something that you know that works rather than to, you know, get into this new realm. In fact, I like to use the 80-20 rule when I'm dealing with marketing. And that is 80% of my marketing needs to be focused on existing customers, existing products, things that I know that work. 20% can be experimental. 20% can be visionary. 20% can be kind of going out on a limb. But that... 80% of my marketing needs to be very core. It's, it's stuff that's tried and true, and I'm going to put my marketing dollars there. I'm going to put my time and my effort there. That, that's, you know, so I'm always going back to that 80-20, and I'm saying, okay, 80% needs to be looking for BB guns that I can give more shelf space to, not always going out and saying, oh, well, maybe I should introduce crossbows now. You know, it's like, it's fine if you want to experiment with things, but spend most of the time on the core. In fact, that's why I wanted to start this with the, you know, talking about fixing the mistakes because there is so much more opportunity in fixing your mistakes than there is in growing you know, it's it's the low-hanging fruit. You start there. You do have to grow. You can't ignore the growth because at some point you're going to clean up those mistakes and then you're going to need to expand into new markets. Uh, but, you know, keep that balance. Keep it in check. Be smart about how you, you know, how you're going to focus your time and effort and resources into your marketing. And, and never just assume that your product is your product. Uh, there's always there's always ways to strengthen that product. Mm -hmm. So when you look internally, I love, I love the fact that you say reevaluate your products and what those products are doing, because every product has um, additional value that can be added to them if we want to push it. Mm -hmm. Especially, especially the underutilized ones. You, you know, I, we know that for a fact that um, that people are impulse buyers. Sure. And a lot of times we go in one place for one thing and end up with something else because of the way they've positioned a product that we would have otherwise not have given any consideration. Well, and experiment with it. Yeah. You know, M move your placement around. And what this, this is the same for physical and digital. You know, people forget that they should move around their, their e-commerce site and, and try different placements, do some A-B testing you know, don't just always keep the same stuff on your home page, the same links. Like, you know, if you look at, so Amazon is the, I mean, they are the 800 pound gorilla of e-commerce. 
And one of the things that drives me crazy about Amazon is that their site is always changing. I'm always guessing. I'm like, oh, where was that stupid button? And I have to look for it, right? I guarantee that that's not because they're screwing up and they're just like, oh, whoops, we forgot to add that button. We better add it in real quick. Like they they know that, you know, where they want you to go, they're using at the top advanced technologies to, you know, place all of those things. And, and so you want to make sure that that you are, are, are placing, positioning, experimenting with what you already have, which kind of brings me to, and this is going to be my 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 concluding thought on on where I would go with a marketing strategy. And by the way, it is impossible for us in, you know, like 20 or 30 minutes to be like, okay, here's everything you're ever going to need for a marketing strategy. We're really just kind of hitting on the most important things that better be a part of your strategy. But yeah, there's there's a lot more depth that you that you can go into on any one of these. But the one that I want to kind of wrap up with, you know, fixing your mistakes, keeping your marketing clean is your overall brand and message. Branding and messaging are super important for your marketing, and those always need to be polished. So, you know, look at the, uh, you know, look at your storefront, look at your uniforms, look at your email signatures, look at the, uh, you know, your color scheme. Is it consistent across everything? And, you know, as, as a small business, this is an area that you're not going to see immediate results, but you will see long-term results. And that is take the time to make sure that you are consistent across all platforms. You know, if you're in social media, are you using the same type of messaging on your Facebook and Instagram and Twitter accounts? Or do you have kind of this rogue Pinterest account that looks different from the rest of your company? If so, clean it up, bring it back into the fold, make sure that it's very consistent, that it's very standardized. Look for ways to improve those things. If you, know, if you started out using just canned stock photography, Look at doing in-house photography, you know, just clean it up, take it up a notch, you know, constantly be looking at ways to improve that brand, improve that messaging. And again, to me, this is just carving out the time. Like you in your business need to have someone who on a weekly basis, they are dedicating an hour or two to just cleaning up the brand, keeping it polished. And if that's you as the owner, great, you do it. If you've got someone on your staff that you want to do that, that's fine. But you just have to keep at it because what happens otherwise is you start looking at all of your stuff and you just look dated. You know, you, you look, especially if you're in any sort of, you know, high tech space and you're trying to talk about how we have the latest and greatest and you look stodgy and outdated, like, mm, there's, there's a mixed message there that's not helping you. And as you, and as you're looking at all your branding, don't forget the, one of the first points we brought up in that it needs to be uh, customer centric. That mm. is my branding appealing to my customer. Okay, or am I just doing something that I think looks cool, but yet the, the customers were just like, oh, you're trying way too hard. Okay, so, you know, text, colors, and there's a lot of things in there that can be a turnoff to the customer. So keep that going right back to the first principle that you brought up is keep that customer at the center of even your branding. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do they like it? So 
I, I love it that you brought it back full circle because it really does center on that customer. And so what we're going to do, we're going to wrap up. This is uh, the first segment where we talked about cleaning up all of the things in your marketing strategy. And uh, in our next episode, we will be talking about looking for new marketing opportunities. So stay with us. We hope you enjoyed this portion of it and uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks everyone. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.